Let's read now this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'd like to speak on the subject this morning, the priority of the ministry. The priority of the ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ. By the way, if, if the ministry was fatalistic and as predetermined as some schools of theology say, the Lord would not have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given it to us because we have a place in the ministry. We have a purpose in the ministry to tell people. And so he says he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 18. To wit, verse 19, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the wonderful time already in chapel. May this message again remind us of why we're here and what the purpose of this Bible college really is. And Lord, uh, we ask that you would stir us and educate us even in the next moments together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. It is obvious when you study the life of the Apostle Paul that there are two great motivational factors compelling him every step of the way. And students, it really does matter what motivates you. If you are here merely motivated by parental desire, pastoral desire, if you're here with a motivation that is of the lesser sort, you're more likely to not finish your race. If you're here just to kind of check it out, you're more than likely not to finish your race. Motivation really matters. And I believe there were two great motivators in Paul's life by way of introduction. First of all, Paul the Apostle never got over the fact that Jesus Christ personally died for him. He never got over that fact. Can I have your eyes for just a moment? Never get over the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. I was studying yesterday morning from Romans chapter 1, that passage that describes the ancient Greek world's downward demise into sin and debauchery, rebellion, and homosexuality. And it's amazing to me how that when those lists are given oftentimes in the Bible, the first word that you read is the word unthankful. You find it in Paul's letters to Timothy. You find it there in Romans chapter 1, the world. And Christians sometimes can lead the way in becoming unthankful, unthankful. Never get over the fact that Jesus Christ 
died for you. Look what he says in verse number 14. He says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Would you say that with me? For the love of Christ constraineth us. Now, there are many motivations, and I've heard most all of them as I've grown up in Bible-believing fundamental churches. I've heard people try to motivate from duty. There's a place for that. I've heard people try to motivate from the rules of the college. There's a place for that. They're not very motivational at times. I get that. But we're talking about the higher motivation here in the introduction, the big why. Why should I be faithful? What is going to compel me to go on in ministry? And the why, the reason why, is because of the what Jesus did for you. Why do I want to be the ministry? Because I was a sinner lost and on my way to hell, and the Son of God died for me. And Paul says, boy, that constrains me. When I feel like quitting, I think about what he did on the cross. The love of Christ constraineth us. Would you say that with me? The love of Christ constraineth us. Paul never got over that. Secondly, he never got over the fact that the one who died for him also gave him a purpose for life. And many people never find their purpose, sad to say. Paul said, it just is a blessing to know what my purpose is. And it doesn't matter what your major is, your purpose is the same. Besides that overarching purpose to glorify God, notice your purpose in verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's say that together. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. One more time. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Men, would you stand please and let's say that together. Why are we here at Bible College? I think you could sum it up in this phrase. Let's say it together. Ready, begin. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. One more time. And He's given it to you, this ministry. We're not talking about racial reconciliation. By the way, you get a black man and a white man who didn't like each other, get them saved, guess what happens? They're reconciled. You, you want to see social justice in this world? Preach the gospel. God says, you hold the key to reconciliation. God says, I want to tell you two great reasons why You need to make sure that you never quit, not only West Coast Baptist College, but the ministry. Number one, Jesus Christ saved you. Number two, he gave you a ministry. Some of you are like, well, I'm kind of praying about it. I'm trying to see if maybe, you know, I'm in the ministry. If you understand New Testament theology, every born-again believer has been given a ministry to go out into this world with the gospel and preach that reconciliation with God is possible through Jesus Christ. That is your ministry. I don't care what your major is. Your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. And and sometimes we get so concentrating on, is it a call? Is it a burden? You know, did did I get called? Uh, is, is my major this? Is my major that? I might switch my major. How about if we just go to the Bible and settle this right now this morning? Every single person in this room has been given a ministry, whether you walk away from it or not, whether you receive it, whether you understand it, your ministry, the reason that I'm motivated today is because God saved me and God gave to me the ministry, the privilege, the responsibility to go into this world and help a world that's 
separated from God be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Hey, I'd rather do that than build jet airplanes. I'd rather do that than build Ford trucks. I'd rather do that than farm on the farm. I'd rather do that than milk cows. I'd rather do that than anything else. I'm thankful to God that he has called me to the ministry. And as I said to my son-in-law Sunday night, hey, I'd rather see him preaching the gospel than being the governor of the state of California. What an amazing thing that God would give us the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you. May be seated. So let's take a look at this for a moment, this ministry. I want to give you three quick thoughts about the ministry this morning. First, I want you to see the priority of the ministry, the priority of the ministry. Look at verse 18 as we come to the priority of the ministry. He says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. In other words, we're already reconciled. If you're saved, you're reconciled to God. How many of you live a reconciled life? If you're saved, you're reconciled. He says, we're reconciled, but he's given to us the ministry to go out and reconcile others. Now, we understand we don't save them, but we bring them the reconciliation message of Jesus Christ. And notice verse 19, to wit, or because that, God was in Christ, by the way, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And this is a cornerstone of our faith. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, thank God, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now I want you to notice here the phrase, the word of reconciliation. I believe the priority of the ministry is the word of God. The word of reconciliation. Now, we live in an era when everything is called ministry. I hear sometimes people say, I'm in a kitchen ministry. I'm in the vacuuming ministry. I'm in this ministry. And there's a sense in which that is correct, the sense being that to minister is to serve, and you serve it, everything you're doing, you're doing it unto the Lord. But if you want to be technical about the ministry in the New Testament, it really always revolves around the word the word of reconciliation, the word of God, that we are to rightly handle the word of God, the ministry of the word. Acts 21, 19, and when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. What ministry, Paul? The ministry of the word of God. In Acts 21, the ministry is in reference to the preaching of the word of God. Some of you have perhaps memorized Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. What is the ministry, Brother Chapel? It is the testifying of the gospel of the grace of God. What is the ministry, Brother Chapel? It is the rightly dividing of the word of God. What is the ministry, Brother Chapel? It is taking the message of reconciliation to a lost and dying world. If the ministry then truly revolves around this book, I submit to you that being in Bible college is the exact place for you to spend some time in order to prepare yourself for the ministry given to every believer in the world today. Acts 6 and verse 4, the pastor said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave some apostles and prophets and some evangelists and teach pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
When we stand behind this pulpit, when the teachers are standing behind the lectern, they are preparing you for the work of the ministry, which is the teaching and the preaching and the sharing of the Word of God. And so every member of the local church is a minister, every one of you are ministers, and all of us are to take the Word of God to our generation. The ministry priority is the Word of God. And then specifically, if you want to laser pinpoint where we're headed with this message of the Word of God, it is secondly the word of reconciliation. The priority of the ministry is the word of God, and it is specifically the word of reconciliation. Verse 19, he hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now the word of reconciliation is theological. It is seen in the phrase, God was in Christ. Let's say that together. God Your ability to explain, to teach, to preach the nature of Jesus is very important. You may have noticed in the recent series as I was preaching on Sunday morning, I declare oftentimes I was delineating the supremacy of Christ, the claims of Christ, and how they were fulfilled in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. Why? Colossians 2 and verse 9 says, For in him, Jesus, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In order for people to understand the efficacy of the work of the cross, they must understand the work that was done there was done by the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was fully God and fully man. And so it is that the word of reconciliation centers around the teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given to us the word of reconciliation. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And in this day and age when many churches, and and some sadly that I personally know, are cutting back services, no Sunday night services, many times not having anything happening on a Wednesday night, many times having uh, uh, maybe just concerts, an emphasis on drama, and all these things. And and, and in, in a day when we're seeing the word of God preached less and less, I would be an advocate for the fact that the church needs to hear the word of God more and more. We must be edified by God's word and trained by God's word because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. God says, be ready, be ready. Just in an instant of time, you may be put on an airplane seat or on a bus next to somebody who's wondering about Jesus and I want you to be the one to give them the ministry of reconciliation. The priority of the ministry is not Uh, websites. The priority of the ministry is not basketball. Priority of the ministry is not special events. Those things are all fine and helpful, but only if they're promoting the real priority of the ministry, which is the Word of God. Don't, Don't ever be ashamed to tell someone, no, I attend Bible college. Come on, somebody help me here. We go to Christian college, yes. What do you guys learn over there? Oh, we learn a lot of Bible. That's a good thing. If you understand who you are and what your purpose in life is, it's a great thing that you attend a Bible college, a place that will help you fulfill the only universal, God-given purpose that every one of us, irrespective of our major, should own. And that is the purpose, to take the Word of God to the next generation. The priority of the ministry. I want you to see quickly and secondly, the privilege of the ministry. Some of you are like, well, I might try a one-year Bible. I might do a one-year counseling certificate. Maybe I'll, 
you know, consider some ministry stuff, but I really, I'm thinking of some other things too. Well, let me just share with you what a privilege it is to be in the ministry. Verse 19 tells us concerning this matter of the ministry, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Notice here, there, there is a specific ministry. God has given us a specific ministry. It is the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. It is a very specific ministry he has given to us. There are other things that we may do, but this is at the core of our calling. But it is not only a specific ministry. I want you to notice it is a privileged ministry. It is a privilege to be in the ministry. I don't mean by that that we're better uh, than a Christian who's neglecting his call. I don't mean by that that we should have a pharisaical spirit about us. But let me show you what a privilege it is to be in the ministry. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a person sent from one sovereign power to another. And is supposed to represent the person of, or the sovereign by whom he has been deputized. So the ambassadors that are representatives of the United States of America have the responsibility of representing this nation and our president well. An ambassadorship is a privileged office indeed. I remember living in Seoul, Korea when I was in my high school years and I went to school with several uh, children of the various embassies, especially I remember some from Europe, the uh, ambassador's family from Germany. We became friends, and I remember going to their home sometimes and marveling at how the gates sparkled and the cars were perfect and how the doors would open and people were there keeping things clean all the time. And all of it was to best represent Germany to the country of Korea. It was all about representation. And it was sensed, even by the teenagers that I knew, they sensed that their responsibilities and privileges were something to be taken very seriously. It would have been a shame. It would have been considered uh, problematic had one of those 17-year-old uh, German ambassador's children uh, found, been found drinking or drunken or immoral or slovenly appearing in public. It would have been something for which they would have been reprimanded because that was seen as being beneath the life of the embassy. Well, we have the privilege of representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Wherever you go. Someone said to me the other day, you ever get really nervous to a witness to people who have maybe positions of authority and so forth. And there's times I can get nervous witnessing to someone who's on welfare, not because I'm so nervous of them. I don't want to blow it. I need the Lord's help. I'm, I'm always sensing whenever I'm witnessing, Lord, this is a holy matter. Help me to do this in the proper way. But you know, I don't get nervous anymore in the sense of, of, of some kind of uh, false pride or whatever the case might be. Why? Because I'm the ambassador of Jesus Christ. I have a legitimate place here on this planet doing a legitimate work, and that is to teach and to share the word of God with people all around me. It is a privilege to be the ambassador of Jesus Christ. And so we see 
see here that every one of us have the privilege of representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever get over that. When you're thinking about what does God want me to do, I want you to know if he will let you in the ministry full time, you're already in the ministry with the word of reconciliation, but if he would let you carry out with this full time, it is a high and holy privilege to be the ambassador of Jesus Christ with your life. You say, well, I wonder, uh, you know, don't people kind of watch you, Pastor Chapel? Yes. Well, doesn't that bother you? No. It did for a while when I was younger in the ministry. I thought, wow, don't you get any privacy? But now I've just realized, you know what? This is an opportunity to use my life to bring glory to my Savior. Remember one time there was a guy that came to our church, and he and his wife, they said they were saved, and we went over and visited him. We talked to him about getting baptized, becoming church members, and you know, sometimes that just goes great, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. And so they kept coming to church. They came for a long time, maybe almost a year. And finally one day they came forward, and they said, we're here to present ourselves for baptism. I said, great. They came up. They got baptized. And after church, I said, why in the world did you guys take so long to get baptized? And they said, well, you know, we got burned at the last church. And you're getting, you hear that sometimes, you know. We got burned at the last church. And it says, so we just wanted to really make sure. I said, oh, okay, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you made sure. They said, yep, we did. He said, in fact, he said, you know, I'm your mailman. He said, for the last year, I've looked at every single letter I've put in your mailbox. He said, not only that, he said, sometimes if my wife and I saw your wife at Walmart, we just follow her around to see what she was putting in her basket. And I thought to myself, that's a full-time job. <laughs> Following my wife around Walmart? <laughs> He said, uh, yep, we watched your kids. We watched them out at the park, how they played. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, man, I'm glad I passed this guy's test. But you know what? I'm an ambassador. You can't go to work tomorrow. You can't go to work today. You can't go to Walmart today without somebody sensing, hey, that, that guy looks like he might be a Bible college student. And they're going to watch. And your prayer should be that they see Jesus Christ in you. Because you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. It's a privilege. The priority of the ministry, that's the word of God. The privilege of the ministry, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You don't mind if I talk to you about the ministry. This is a ministry school. Come on, somebody help me. What are we doing here, Brother Chapel? Well, we're getting people ready for ministry. Got an email this morning from one of our Chinese graduates. Sent me his picture, he and his wife. He said, I just want you to know, it's tough over here, but by the grace of God, we had 18 people in our house church Sunday. Thank you, Brother Chapel, for what we learned at West Coast about the ministry. You see, he got it. He figured it out. He understood he wasn't just here touring America and seeing a different culture. He was here to get the word of God, to take it back to people who don't know God, who need to be reconciled with God. And he understands that it's a privilege to be the ambassador of the king of kings to the country of China. Notice finally, the power of the ministry. I know some of you are like, I don't know if I could ever be a pastor. You know, that's kind of, whoo. I don't know if I could ever preach like that. I just think that's kind of for other people. Well, let me remind you of something. The power for the ministry does not come from you or your personality. And it is not dependent upon your background, which is why I appreciated Josh sharing a brief bit of his testimony with us. 
It's not like if it's not like someone could say, well, you know, if you're from this perfect family, maybe a pastor's family, maybe a Christian school, maybe this, maybe that, then you can be in the ministry. No. Anybody that is saved is in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Notice what it says here regarding the power of the ministry. Verse 21, it says, For he, speaking of God the Father, hath made him, speaking of Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, speaking, of course, of Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The power of the ministry in the first place is found in the gospel itself. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The power is not in my style or my graphic arts. I don't need any converts. I'm trying to bring people to Jesus Christ. The power is in Christ. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Many preachers today and Authors of books use the term gospel as an adjective to describe parts of the Christian life. And there's a place to that. I'm okay with some of that. You know, and they talk about gospel dating and gospel finances and gospel this and gospel that. But if you're talking about the word gospel in the sense of an adjective and you're never sharing the gospel in the sense of the power of salvation, then you're misusing the word gospel because the gospel is the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just a tag phrase for selling your book. Come on, somebody help me here. The gospel is the lifeblood for someone who has never been saved. It's the way that they might have Christ as their Savior. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? Selling a book? Is that what it says? No. It is the power of God unto what? Salvation, that's what the gospel's all about, saving souls. And we must never forget that. The power is found in the preached word of God. And you give me this, the, 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 the freshman here that is the, uh, the most afraid of standing in a speech class. And, and you give me the freshman here that, boy, they're asked to give a five-minute testimony on the bus. And it's a, it's a little bit difficult for them. But if you just give the gospel, there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the wonderful thing about the ministry. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the gospel. And then the power of ministry is found, secondly, in the Holy Spirit of God. If you're like me, as you grow as a Christian, you're going to discover that there were lots of things about salvation that you didn't know when you got saved. And so, well, how, how did you get saved? Because if you knew when you got saved that you were a sinner turning to Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation, you got saved. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I'm glad God made it that simple. But I'm telling you, the more I read the Bible, the stuff that happened to me when I got saved, it's pretty powerful and overwhelming. And one of those things is that the spirit of the living God took up residence in my life. If you're saved, sometimes you know this to be true because he convicts you. Sometimes he gives you compassion when you didn't have it before. Sometimes he gives you a desire to witness. That doesn't come from you. That comes from the one in you, the Holy Spirit. And one of the things the Holy Spirit will do with a little shy kid from the farm or 
a kid from China, and everybody in between, is when you're getting ready to tell somebody about Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to help you. He's going to give you the power to do that. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, when those early believers received the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And oh, the great truth is that God used them wonderfully. Here we see it in verse 18. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, if you stay around West Coast a while, you're going to find out Brother Getch is a Packers fan. Brother Getch, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I think he hit midlife crises. I'm not sure, but he kind of, I think he even grew a ponytail. Somebody needs to talk to Aaron Rodgers about the ponytail. He's not singing at West Coast Chapel. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> but Brother Getch could tell you that in football, the quarterback and the halfback or the fullback work over and over and over again on one simple thing, the handoff. Over and over again. They work at handing it to the right, handing it to the left. They want that ball to be cradled and held. And how many of you know there's a bunch of 300-pound linebackers? All they want to do is just get that ball away. It seems sometimes they're not even trying to tackle. They're trying to just get the ball. That ball has to be held. It is being committed to that halfback. And he is to take that and guard it with his life. Here at West Coast Baptist College, over and over and over again, we are going to preach and teach, line upon line, principle upon principle, the, the truths of the reconciliation, the truths of the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the truths of heaven and hell, because we on this platform are literally passing to you that has been passed to us the ministry of reconciliation. If the Lord tarries and is coming, uh, we will go on to see the Lord and you'll be standing in these pulpits and we don't need you standing up and simply having a little praise fest and singing a little ditty that hardly mentions the name of Jesus Christ. What we're doing in this college trying to raise up some men who will preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we do our job well when we're long gone, you'll still be preaching the word of God. That's why over and over again we're going to preach it to you and teach it to you and challenge you about the nuances of the ministry and the ways that Satan tempts and tries to get people out of the ministry. 2 Timothy 2 and 2 says, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. One time I was watching a football game and this guy, he got, a, he got an interception, and he starts running for the touchdown line. And as he's almost to make the touchdown, he took the ball, and he begins to taunt the defensive player. Like, you know, proudfully saying, yeah, look at this. I got the ball. I'm getting the touchdown. And as he did that, he accidentally dropped the ball. The other team recovered it, and his team lost I look at the way some men do ministry and I just think, what fools. 
They're playing with the ball. They're playing with the truth. They're just teaching psychology. They're just teaching sermon series that are humanistic. They are not rightly dividing the word. And we wonder why America is slipping when America's pulpits can't even understand the priority of preaching the word of God. I hope that you'll understand today. The priority of the ministry, the word of God. Don't ever be ashamed of being a Bible college student. The privilege of what we're going to get to do, to be ambassadors for Jesus, what a blessing. The power, don't get psyched out. It's not on you. It comes from God's word and God's Holy Spirit. Because with God's calling comes God's enabling. Say that with me. With God's calling comes God's enabling.